Hopefully you don't drown in the Baltimore River. What river is that? <laughs> I don't know. What is I thought it was the sea. Know? I thought it was the Atlantic Ocean. Welcome to episode two of The Uninformed. <laughs> uh, my name is Chase. To my left is John Mullen. Hacker Mullen. Hacker J. Ray. Hacker J. Ray. <laughs> Hacker J. Ray. And across from him is... Uh, my name's Michael Patrick Murphy, but I'm also known as the Microphone Cheka Swinging Sword Lecture. <laughs> Um, and if you guys know who that is, I'll give you 10 Bitcoin. 10 Bitcoin. You got 500 grand sitting somewhere? Who's, who's the artist and what song? I have no I idea. promise Bitcoin. Is it, I'm going to take, take a guess. Is it Chuck D? No. It's probably someone from Jersey. His home state. I, was, I was going East Coast, yeah. I was absolutely going East Method Coast. Method Man... Uh, there it is. The the song is "Duh, Rock Wilder," but I just want to let you know because Wu Tang like Clan. The mic, I'm the microphone checker. We are big fans of the Wu Tang Clan here. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the Wu Tang. It was just him and Redman. But a, a, a there's still no there's still nothing to fuck a with. A couple nodes in the in the Wu Tang. This is an. Oh, in- oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will get that. We'll explain it later. <laughs> this is the second episode of the Uninformed. Uh, thank you for everyone, the three dozen of you that listened to the first episode, or at least that's a lot of eggs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you think about it that way, that's it's a ton of eggs. Yeah, I was expecting zero eggs, and I had three cartons in my refrigerator. I I can't even eat that many eggs. That's a lot of egg egg and cheese paninis for you, Mike. I don't I don't make them on the panini. Oh no, it's a, it's a wrap. Is, it, yeah, it's, it's more like of a, a a burrito. A burrito. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Because I always super, I, I always pronounce El Burrito Loco El Burrito Loco, so it just came out naturally. El Burrito. Uh, so everyone that listened, thanks for the feedback. Hopefully, we don't sound as bad as we did before, and we will make sure that we actually do the things that we say, like put the research in the show notes. Uh, so. Thanks, Hank. Thank you, Hank. Um, thanks, Hank. I like saying that. Thanks. Uh, so uh, last episode, we talked about the vaccine. We were taking a right turn and talking about something that uh, actually came up the lo- when we were recording the last episode, because Mullen had a very passionate rant about Elon Musk, who he hates. Um, and I think that the group of people in the world that hate Elon Musk is about seven total people. And about as many listeners as we have. Yeah. <laughs> and Jay J- Ray is one of them. Uh, so, uh, Mullen had a, uh, a long rant about Elon Musk and his promotion of Dogecoin, which led us to a conversation about blockchain. Is there anything you'd like to say, Mullen, before, before we get started? Just, Elon, stop promoting Dogecoin and then buying one and a half billion dollars of Bitcoin, but not having any money invested in Dogecoin. That's quite a bit. Oh, God. Thank you for That's that. That's my small rant. All my anger came out two weeks ago. I apologize. <laughs> well, that well that anger. I should have saved it for here. <laughs> that that anger led to us talking about um, blockchain technology as a as a thing um, because you know cryptocurrency is uh, this is going to sound so f- stupid cliche but it's all I got is a craze uh, currently and um, there's a lot of yeah they're both laughing at me because I had nothing else to say to that. Uh, they're they're a both fad. A fad. There we go. But that sounded bad too. I know. I was just going with your stupid, uh, you know, leadership. So thank you, microphone you killer, or whatever you said. Your microphone name was. checka. Checka. That's better. 
so, disrespect method map. <laughs> we we uh, we were very interested as a trio of uninformed uh, folks that we would uh, start diving into what blockchain is, and we're going to do that in a couple different ways. We're going to uh, describe what blockchain is through the most popular uses currently, which is through cryptocurrency, specifically uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then we're going to kind of take that and, and talk about what we've learned, what we think we know about uh, blockchain, and then spread that to uh, f- uh, more future uses or um, the potential for this type of technology. So uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk about blockchain, what it is, and we're going to talk to talk about it through the lens of cryptocurrency. Um, but that's, you know, in our research, we learned that's not the end of it. That's just the most popular use of blockchain. So hopefully you get something out of it. Um, and we will see you here in a second. The first thing we kind of wanted to talk about in terms of blockchain is we're going to talk about it like within the realm of crypto because that's the most important. So that's definitely what we're, we're going to explain it in light of crypto or using crypto to kind of cryptocurrency to, to show how blockchain could be used. But in a really, really basic, basic way, what is, what is the office episode where I'm, where uh, Michael is asking, um, uh, what's his name? The accountant dude. Uh, uh, um, shit, what is his name? Oscar? Oscar. Yeah. He's asking Oscar how to explain some sort of like debt consolidation thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, explain it like you're explaining it to a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Like he goes through explaining yeah, it like, yeah. you're, like a, a, a nine-year-old. And then it <laughs> like he goes down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do the the Oscar to, to Michael explaining to like a two-year-old. Pretty much it's data storage. And the data is stored in a block, and those blocks are chained together. Uh, but if you think of data storage more broadly, it's just a way of you know, uh, verifying and understanding data. And then those blocks are connected chronologically, but they're also like every block is connected in that one block has that current block's data. Mm-hmm. And then it also has a summary of the previous blocks data. So they're connected chronologically to get, you know, in that kind of way. And there's other ways they do blockchain, but that's kind of the main one. Uh, as far as cryptocurrency is concerned, trees. what'd you say? The hash trees. Yes. Yes. Not to be confused with oak trees. But that was one of the blockchains. Yeah. That was one we of the know blockchains. he was making a stupid tree joke. Because you said hash tree. He said not to be confused with oak tree. And then he was probably going to say elm and then tree. And you were being all literal on me. Like, <laughs> I, you didn't get the joke. Like, like that's not the microphone checker you're talking the to over there. Microphone checker, swing and sword lecture. Well, so, and in, in, uh, just to, like, <laughs> data storage, right? Like, in there's, there's, uh, there's like, three broad benefits that, that are touted for uh, blockchain technology. Which is like transparency, security, and privacy all at the same time yeah correct like literally when you think of cryptocurrency and like bitcoin and what is his name satoshi nokamoto or whatever yeah the fake guy the fake guy that created it all it's pretty much like what every libertarian hopes for in, in something right it's like it's it's completely decentralized uh no one can it, it's 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 unhackable yeah uh no like central institution can say you can do this or you can't no one can change it it's somewhat immutable uh so in that regard yeah there's a lot of cool things i think the first thing is just kind of how because we're, we're talking about it in the kind of the 
in one iteration of blockchain data storage, which is crypto, right? And so think of like the when I was reading stuff, they use like Excel spreadsheet. They use, you know, uh, uh, analogies like uh, um, banks, you know what I'm saying? They have like obviously a, um, a ledger of all of your transactions, right? So just think of like a decentralized storage of all of these cryptocurrency transactions. Um, <clears throat> so it's just like, all of these blocks um, completely decentralized. So when I say decentralized, there's a really important uh, component to that, which is nodes, right? So like Method Man, and when, I, when we talked earlier, <laughs> is one of the nodes on the Wu-Tang network, okay? So there was many Wu-Tang members. He's one of the nodes. <laughs> so when you think of blockchain, you'd want to think about it as a completely decentralized ledger, but these ledgers are stored across like all of the members of Wu-Tang, right? Yeah. This is awful. So, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, I you mean, know, it works, but yeah. So pretty much anyone that is involved within the crypto network, they have a copy right. of the ledger. Yeah. So the main difference between like P and C bank, right? Having your, they are the only ones that own their transactions. They have the ledger. Whereas, the nodes across the whole blockchain network, depending if it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other uh, blockchains that are out there, specifically cryptocurrency blockchains, they're shared by people across the world, right? Like, yeah. So just think of like uh, PNC centralized blockchain crypto uses are completely decentralized. So it's like, you know, obviously there's nodes, like you said, all over the world and they all have the exact copy of the same blockchain, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, so it's this ledger of transactions. So that's, that's one of the main things it's decentralized. Um, so when you understand it's just a giant ledger, it's a giant Excel spreadsheet, uh, distributed, uh, across a giant network of individuals essentially. Um, and then the other portion, an important word that constantly comes up within this is nodes, right? So those are the, those are the individuals within the network that are not just mining, but they're also storing the data. Yeah. Um, right, and those nodes can be like the three of us on an individual computer to these big uh, mining farms, right? And so uh, it, it isn't just uh, – it's not a bunch of individuals with one computer. It can be these giant farms, I think that's actually what they're called, right, that are acting as uh, nodes within the blockchain. Yeah, like and giant so, concentration of yeah, nodes, right? Yeah. So like – it could be us storing it or mining, not just mining, but us obviously storing the ledger, um, mm -hmm. but also these, well, now it's giant farms because Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's become so big and that we'll get into that. But yeah, these giant, these giant mining farms are consolidated, you know, a bunch of consolidated nodes that are, that are trying to solve, you know, cryptic mathematical puzzles to, right. to mine more coins. But uh, back to what we were talking about in terms of the decentralization. So the mm -hmm. decentralization, they have these nodes. And so when you understand the nodes, the nodes is kind of the key to understanding like the immutable part. So like one of the things about blockchain is it's unchangeable per se, or in, in, in comparison to anything else, mm -hmm. it is pretty much immutable or, or it's the, it's the best option we have. So one of the things they talk about the, uh, within blockchain is you'd have to, in order to change and really not even change, but in order to like fork or, 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 or to, or to make really any kind of alterations or do any kind of like hacking, real hacking to this, to the system, 
you would need to gain control of 51% of the nodes, right? So like think about, you know, let's say there's 100 nodes. It's obviously way more than that. Um, and they're all storing this exact copy of all of these different transactions on this block, right? And then what would end up happening is you'd have to gain control of 51 of those, right? To make changes or to hack properly, right? Uh, and it's not really feasible. You know what I'm saying? First off, with Bitcoin, uh, it's a lot, a lot of money you'd have to put in. Uh, a lot of nodes you'd have to control or hack or, or, or separate systems that you'd have to get into in order to do that. So it's not particularly feasible to do that. So it's it's really, really, really not completely hack-proof. There has been some 51% attacks uh, on occasion, but in comparison to any centralized uh, storage of like transaction ledgers, like banks or anything like that, it's way safer. And because the, the primary concern, because even if the hacker hacks, right, it's a clever way to say it, but if they if they do do that, then they're, they're de- they, they kind of create devaluation of Bitcoin as an example, right? Because the ledger is now public. So everyone can see that this was now alter, uh, altered in some form or fashion, which would drive the value of Bitcoin down in, in theory, right? And so um, because it is decentralized, there are more eyes on it. So if a hack does happen, there's still another extra layer of some sort of security or, or blanket of protection of what happens next, right? So if a hacker hacks PNC, um, you have no idea where your password's at. You have no idea what information they have. With Within uh, a blockchain, you have, because you have a copy of the ledger, you know what they now have. Yeah, right? so like if, if like let's say like one node, like one person hacks a couple nodes, right? Like has significantly lower than 51%. One of the things they talk about is like, let's say they change those maybe a small percentage of the nodes, right? Well, how the ledger looks on a small percentage of the nodes. The way they verify this is that there's all these other thousands of nodes that have the exact same copy. So they look at that and they go, that doesn't match like like 98% of, of what everyone else has. So they know that that's bad and they're able to cast that off and correct that. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing is like, you really need to have a ton of, you know, first off, if you have any investment in it, like that's a, a kind of an economic de-incentivization or, you know. It's like the thing that we saw for personal is like, it's almost like the Wild West in that regard. Like I said, on the whole, it's safer. But as an individual, like if you don't know how to protect yourself in this environment, like you can definitely have, the, it's gone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That crypto is gone. That's one thing that they always try to like ensure. Like when you're like listening and like learning about the subject matter itself, like that's one thing that everyone that like introduces it to you just like learn how to make right. sure you know what you're looking at so that you don't get. It's it's sort of like it, the off. way that you explained it before we started recording, Mullen, was you had heard like you know it's 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 not unhackable or unpenetrable. But it's like when a four-year-old colors over colors all over the walls with a permanent marker. Like, yeah, you can clean the walls, but it's going to take a hell of a long time to eliminate the marker on the wall. Right. Right. And so um, what the blockchains that we hear the most about and or that there's like the most like research and the most news about right now are Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Bitcoin and Ethereum deal with crypto currencies but they also function a bit differently 
just generally speaking as well. And so I don't know if you guys want to, I mean, do you agree with that sentiment first? I'd agree. I just would want to say, um, in terms of like the, the overall blockchain itself that just to kind of rehash, like we're talking ridiculous security, almost near immutability. So you almost can't change it. Decentralization. Um, and then, transact think of decentralization via nodes you know a network of stored of stored ledgers and then think of the the uh, a giant ledger that's all it really is it's data storage for crypto transactions within cryptocurrency obviously there's other uses and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. but that's really what we're talking about here and then what chase was saying is that there's there's the big heavy hitters in terms i know you've probably heard of litcoin or or Litecoin or whatever it's it is. It's definitely not Litcoin. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a ton. I just thought it was lit, and then Dogecoin. Uh, but the main two are are um, Ethereum and Bitcoin. And Bitcoin's the. It's been around the longest. It's the most popular. Would you, would you say it's the bad daddy of the two? Oh goodness gracious! I say it's the microphone chucka. <laughs> so, <laughs> the um, <laughs> Bitcoin. Right, so you, we're going to talk about it through the lens of cryptocurrency or blockchain. That is, uh, and the emphasis uh, is decentralized, right? Private, public, which is a, a anonymous is the word I want. Anonymous, public, and uh, uh, transparent. But decentralized is really the spirit of the entire uh, cryptocurrency movement, if you will. Um, and so decentralized, just so we're all on the same page, refers to, and Mike mentioned this, but I, I want to make sure we say it before we jump back into it, because this is why so many people find cryptocurrency attractive for, for our future, is there is no governmental control over the currency. It is shared by everyone who has the currency or has access to the currency. And so since it is decentralized, access becomes much more broad, becomes broader than what the U.S. dollar is even now, right? And the value of which it's, uh, that it has is now not determined by fiat currency, fiat currency, right? So the decentralization part is, is the, is a huge chunk of why cryptocurrency is so popular and why it's being pursued so uh, and, and and why every libertarian loves it. Yes, uh, yes. It, there's literally, I mean, I'm sure there's going to, governments find way to regulate everything yeah. uh, and, and find ways to tax everything, but it's literally uh, completely unregulated. It's very hard to regulate because there's complete anonymity mm-hmm. um, and it's really hard to shut down because like I said, there's, there's all of these versions, there's all of these copies of the transaction ledger all over the world on all these different nodes, all these different copies. So if the government wants to stop you from using a bank, yeah. they could freeze your accounts in that centralized banking system. You can't use that anymore. You can't court orders that. court orders sent to PNC saying Yeah, yeah. They're not allowed to use their money anymore at these accounts. Yeah, J Ray is shouldn't yeah. be using um, any of his accounts because he's shady. No more Mexican food for J Ray. He stole thirty six eggs. <laughs> So I, I think maybe in, if you disagree with this, let me know. But I think maybe we'll, how we can start talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum is uh, how the blockchain gets validated, how transactions get validated yeah. through the idea of what's something called proof of work. Right. And so Mike mentioned nodes. We mentioned farms. 
Um, but the way that the the, the blockchain uh, continues to build upon itself, the ledger continues to grow, is that people are validating the transactions within the blockchain. And so they do that by a proof of work. And proof of work means uh, what exactly, Mike or J. Ray? Well, essentially, like uh, within, within Ethereum 1.0, and uh, Bitcoin, the way you validate transactions or the way – not even validate, the way – it's called mining. Proof of stake, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is validation. But uh, Oh, the, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's the same idea. Um, essentially, it's uh, within proof of work, there are um, – you almost have to unlock the, the box to put the transactions in it to some degree, right? And so right. there's these – ridiculously hard mathematical equations that occur. Um, so each box you have to solve this mathematical puzzle in order to be the validator, right? Or not the validator, but the, the miner, right? In order to reap the rewards of mining and validating transactions. Because obviously if you're going to have a decentralized ledger with date of data storage, you have to find a way to add data. Like you have to find a way to say, all right, more Bitcoin, more Ethereum 1.0 transactions have been done. How do we add this data to the decentralized blockchain? And the way you do that is, at least in proof of work, is you mine, right? So the mining is essentially you have a computer, and that computer, uh, well, now now they're crazy. They have giant yeah. mining farms. But, you know, the, the main idea is... Huge. Huge. <laughs> the big, main, big lead farms. <laughs> the main idea is that you have a computer... That just pretty much is constantly solving those problems. Yeah, it's like it's guessing at what what the answer is, like uh, you know, at, at, at a super high rate, and and yeah. whoever guesses the answer the to the mathematical cryptographic you know whatever a puzzle first is the person that is able to is gets the reward for adding the transactions right, and so uh, these are special nodes right on this giant ne uh, network that are able to mine right. So Bitcoin in particular has gotten so big. That you have you have these these mining farms that are what Mullen? How how big are these things? Like they're like like um, just in perspective for like what people are looking at. I believe uh, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong too. There's like there's a like northeastern portion of China where like the entire electrical grid for that section is just a mining farm in Bitcoin. Um, there's an entertain like uh, there's an episode of Billions where an entire section of New Jersey is losing electricity because of how large the mining farms are because of how complex the algorithms are getting within those blockchains because of how popular Bitcoin got. Historically, that started with just people being able to do it from Chase's laptop, Mike's laptop, my laptop, and now now there would be no chance. There would well, be no chance for us to even no, come no, across any validation of these algorithms Even with your M1 chip, there's no Not way. Not a chance. So in, in like Iceland, right, the big farm in Iceland, it uses more electricity than the rest of Iceland <laughs> put together. <laughs> so now that there's like, you know, 50 million people in Iceland, but like, that's crazy. And so... Um, they, they actually said like and, if you combined all of the mining in the world... There's like a multiple European countries, not just Iceland. I think like the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. It actually uses more wattage and, and more electricity than like countries like the Netherlands, which I know aren't huge, but they're just run huge. on windmills anyways. But uh, they, they, <laughs> they're that's a lot, man. Like yeah. this, this, we're just talking about mining for Bitcoin. They have these farms just full of these like 
ridiculously expensive computer, the ten thousand like six each. figures yeah. okay, for okay. all computers. You know what I mean? And yeah, they'll, and they'll be it's, just, it's just giant warehouse full of these computers that are just literally built to solve these mathematical equations as fast as possible. So they're just guessing, 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 guessing. Boom, they solve it, and now that particular mining farm gets gets the the Bitcoin or the transaction fees, however Which, it works. Do you know how much Ethereum it is in that? Like when they saw that, because Bitcoin, like I said, is twelve and a half Bitcoin, mm-hmm. which would equate to six hundred four thousand dollars at where the price Bitcoin's is at right now. price is at right now. And I was just gonna say because I'm not sure on the Ethereum and how that. Well, one I know works. how much you need to stake um, with Ethereum because the Ethereum 2.0, which is like the kind of the uh, the wave of the future in terms of. Uh, you sounded like you were from California right there. The, the wave, wave of the future, bruh. Calabunga. Bruh. Go. What? <laughs> <laughs> but before you... before you, ju- you sound like you live um, in a sewer and order pizza. Before you ride the wave, man, let me say this real quick. Uh, the part that makes the decentralization work is because... Is because there are real consequences if you try to jack with how you solve these problems, right? So you're rewarded by doing right by the blockchain by getting Bitcoin in return, right? And so decentralization works because people are incentivized to do it correctly and they're penalized. Well, also like, you know, like both of the proof of work and proof of stake, like, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, is there's there's economic incentives. So like <laughs> I can I can choose to like do shady stuff, but then like the value so like if I'm if I like if I, if you're mining now, let's just say, right? You're getting twelve Bitcoin, you know, every box, every you know, every every uh, uh transaction new, that new you new block essentially yeah. that you and I believe those close like every ten minutes now yeah, or yeah, something the, like that. Yeah, Some the, insane the, yeah, number. Yeah. So it's it's so, so you're getting so you're getting six hundred thousand dollars, right? Is that a network that you're gonna try and do any shady stuff? Like if, if you're a massive mining farm or you have maybe a, a large clump of centralized nodes and maybe right. you can potentially get 51% or whatever, uh, it's it, the economic incentives to, to de-incentives to, to, to hack it, you know, are, are just not there. Cause you're like, I'm making $600,000 every time I solve one of these puzzles mm-hmm. to, to push the, you know, to pull in these transactions. Why would I, why would I mess with this network, which would devalue the asset that I have all of this money staked in or this money, uh, uh, put into, you know what I'm saying? Or invested in. So, um, that's one of the cool things is that it uses like natural incentives as opposed to regulation or jail time or whatever. It uses these natural incentives to, to stop people from being shady. And it's, it's a really cool concept because it allows a lot of anonymity, it allows lack of government control, uh, a lot of safety. And then even if people want to be shady, if they want to be shady, it's going to hurt them in a significant way. Well, in, in a lot of the blockchain, like how it's being used presently is based on game theory, which is, uh, we didn't research this heavily, so we're not going to get into this part, but like there, there is, um, components of natural, rational decision makers within, because the incentives and consequences are, appropriate as they are right now and so you know the the thing that's interesting about bitcoin is that it has value because the people who have invested in it give it value right there is no uh gold standard that it's there's no there's no gold bar sitting in wherever they sit now because uh, i think the ufos are in fort knox that's what Al- i think it's alex what alex jones says no that was an episode of the west wing jewish lasers 
No, the lasers are in Hawaii because they're closer to California for the fires, right? Totally yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. So if they have to deploy, they can get there quick. Yeah, right, the right, 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 right. Yeah, and uh, um, they don't have to get over the mountains if they're in Fort Knox. It, you always got to watch for geographical um, yeah. defenses, you know, because no, you can't sense. get through those with lasers. Well, I mean, because like, coming from Israel, Mount that McKinley would be is like just a too long much. track. So if you're in Hawaii, like if, if like, you know, they have a base in Hawaii, it would make sense because it's yeah. closer to start the, the California wildflowers. So they Wildflowers. Wildflowers. <laughs> and then, I mean, can you still hang 10 out there, though? Like, if they're shooting those lasers, like, are you okay well, to Well, as long surf? as you're in the water, I, <laughs> I, I think you should be good. Yeah, I, I think it depends. Can I don't know why that science didn't compute water. in my head, you know? Like, water, I know that good. Water, water would keep you, like, if they start, if the lasers started the fire, water would keep you safe from the fire. In, in theory. Well, I think, like, it would depend on how high, how high the wave were, was and how tall you were. So, like. Well, he's hanging ten. Yeah, right. So, so pretty high. That's, a, that's yeah. a big wave. And we're not, Mike and I are not small people. There's no way we're on a big wave. Uh, I'm on a big wave. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> we're lucky if we're bodyboarding right now. <laughs> so anyway, Mike uh, could replace Keanu Reeves in Point Break. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. And I, not miss a. And beat. I could replace him in the replacements. <laughs> Two things here. I've never seen either of those movies. You've never of watched course the you replacements. Have. You're like, like the worst person to talk to about pop culture. It's a great football movie. Great. Never I'm not going to say it's the best, but it's good. Yeah, never seen it. Shane not Falco. E- it's not even a replacement level for me. That's the. It's almost as good as the 2010 <laughs> Jet season. Yeah, they 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 accomplished. Be praised. They they accomplished a lot there. AFC Championship. Did they win it? They made it with Mark Sanchez. I mean, come on. That's not an accomplishment? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Well, it's an accomplishment. The Bears 2005 season isn't an accomplishment. Thanks. The who's? The Bears 2005. Oh, no, it's not. It's a failure of all, of, of great proportions. Anyway, Bitcoin has value because we say it does. Yes. Pretty much how all currency works. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's it's but it's not value that a government says it has. It's value that... Yeah, it's not backed by a government. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. which, it's, which it's, is a... a, a a fork. It's more like gold than it is a fiat currency, right? So it's more yeah. like it's it's it, well more like gold. It's not gold because gold you actually have to have like the physical piece. Yeah. It's even like more kind of like I don't know theoretical or what I don't even know because like I haven't looked into the a lot of because when we were doing the research when I was doing the research I'm sure you guys ran into this too like some of the stuff when they were talking about how currencies are like conceptualized and all that stuff like that was like I didn't get too much into that and I didn't. Same. Yeah, but Same. I thought the little bit that I did <laughs> hear, it, it, did, about it, there. it did pique my interest. Like when you were listening to like uh, Tyler Cowen and um, uh, what's his name? Vitalik Buterin. Buterin. I don't even know how to pronounce yeah. his last name. Uh, Buterin. Like, yeah, I think it was. I think it's Buterin. Which is, I was surprised. I was like, is Buterin? It sounds yeah. like Buterin. Or anyway, he's uh, Russian and Canadian. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> a boot. Vodka. Uh, Vodka and maple syrup. It's worth a try. Anyway, <laughs> I bet it would be good. I, I bet it wouldn't. It. I bet it wouldn't be good. You know that Smirnoff has made a maple infused vodka. There's got to be. I mean, in like straight maple yeah, syrup. Sold in Nova Scotia only. Oh, like syrup at the bottom of the shot glass. Yeah, like give me one of those Denny's bottle of maple syrup. <laughs> give me some Stoli. I'm going at it. Are you doing like a a shooter for McGavin? No, well, 
That's a good man. But um, are you know what movie that What's is? The ratio? That What's the ratio uh, in your? Like, are you doing a shooter of not fifty fifty? Okay, that's what I'm asking. I'm gonna go. 80 vodka, 20 maple how you, syrup. How do you get the syrup to... Are you pouring kinda, it on pancakes? It's, it's, you got you to gotta pour it in and then just go. You know what I mean? While it's... Like, like while it's... While it hasn't in the settled? Vodka. Yeah. That's my thought. At least this is all theoretical. It should be, a, it should be, like, a car, it should be like a car bomb. <laughs> like, well, you just like drop it in there currency. and then just chug it. But I think that would be terrible. So, anyway... We'll think about this later. We'll we'll try it and get back to you guys on the next podcast. Mullen will try it and get back to you because yeah. I'm not going anywhere near that. Yeah, neither am I. With wow. Last, yeah. Way to be adults, <laughs> losers. So uh, Bitcoin uses the blockchain to not only create its value, right? Because uh, it rewards miners with uh, – not <laughs> it, it, re- it rewards – Excuse me? <laughs> It rewards computers in which uh, they mine the Bitcoin and solve the mathematical problems. All right. No, so yeah, so ultimately it's a, it's a it's a it's a pretty cool system that was theorized in what what was it, like 1999. They're still laughing. So, uh, oh shit! It, it's it's a pretty cool system in terms of. Like, it, like I said, it's decentralized. It's a giant ledger that is on all of the different nodes dispersed among the network. And then you have these, the people that are actually validating the data in the blocks are incentivized to not do any shady stuff, right? Because they're, the very reward that they're getting is literally the, the Bitcoin currency per se, right? So it's like, why would I want to destroy a network where I have so much stored value? Like, that's silly. Um, and so that, that's a really cool idea. There's, just a, there's, a, there's a couple downsides, and this will kind of be our segue to proof of stake, which is what Ethereum 2.0 is going to use, which is really, really cool in my opinion. Uh, proof of uh, – essentially, the downsides is uh, climate change is, is a thing, and – the amount of energy used, like we talked about a little bit earlier, just to do all of this mining, which blew my mind because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know much about blockchain before we did this, right? And so, like, I was like, like literally the the total energy output. And I, I think this is a little bit old, so it could be more now. The total energy output for for mining blockcoin, so you, Bitcoin. Uh, using all of those giant mine pools with all of those computer and all the hardware, you emits as much energy, uses as much energy as like the Netherlands. I think there's a couple other, uh, you're, there was a couple other countries that they use to talk about. Um, but still it's one of those things where, you know, we have this cryptocurrency in it and it has a huge, huge, uh, huge, energy footprint you know what i'm saying and that's well, a downside because the computers constantly have to be on yeah they constantly, constantly have to be running to solve these problems because and they, then that's how you get the reward you need more and more of them yeah to because as the as the network gets bigger the mathematical puzzles get harder mm-hmm. so they can keep a tempo almost to some degree on how quickly blocks are added right so it's like every 10 minutes or something like or 10 yeah. seconds or i forget what ten, it was. i think it's 10 minutes 10 okay so like so they're like if they're getting faster than 10 minutes like the the cryptographic mathematical equation will get harder and so like they kind of keep it they want to keep it like right at 10 minutes every block which is insane and then 
again, so that you need more computing power to solve these harder and harder math equations. And Bitcoin seems to only be growing, so it has a larger energy footprint. Yeah, and and you know, just to add to that and continue our segue to proof of stake, right? Is that proof of work almost has uh, for Bitcoin in particular only has one use case, which is to validate transactions uh, that are using Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a bit more closed off as to the uses of it. So it's much more decentralized finance transactions than than it is uh, what proof of stake can be or what Ethereum is hoping it can can become. Yeah, like. Proof of stake is really cool. So we talk about that Vi- Vitalik Buterin. I don't know how you pronounce no, it. No, that's pretty good. It's, it's pretty Buterin. good. Buterin. Uh, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty impressive guy. I've listened to a bunch of his podcasts. He's on Lex Friedman. He's on uh, Lex Friedman was probably the best one I heard. Yeah. He's with Tyler Cowen. Uh, mm-hmm. He does one with um, Eric Weinstein. Like he has some. He's an in, he's an insanely intelligent guy. Like when just his just his breakdown of of how things work and his understanding of kind of the intricacies of all of this i was like this guy is not a joke he actually understands like the the inner workings of of i don't know if it would be a company or what his kind of like i don't know if it is ethereum a company no i think they would call themselves like there's like work of humans like well well i think there's like in ethereum as like an organization like there is like a main office if you will but then there are like partnered Companies, I don't even yeah, know that's like, the right they, word. There's like, a, there's like an Ethereum Research Institute. Yep, yeah. Or there's like other groups that like they, it's wild. And I, again, we because they're they're that, fairly decentralized. Like they're kind of in charge of the upgrades to Ethereum 2.0, but they're not. It's not like Apple and Mac OS. It's definitely not as it, it's yeah. So even just like the human uh, talent component or the or the or the organization, I guess if we can call it, is largely decentralized. Um, and it has key people like Vitalik and stuff and, like and that. And it's open source. That's probably a better yeah, word than yeah, decentralized. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but if, if we were to say like in this human uh, network, he's probably like one of the most important nodes, kind of like Method Man and Wu-Tang. Correct. <laughs> yes. So proof of stake is a little bit different. So when we talk about... Because um, proof of stake is what Ethereum 2.0 is going to be. Should we jump into what it is right now? Because what separates Ethereum from uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is smart contracts. Yeah, so it, and so the difference between, I guess, Ethereum 1.0 and Bitcoin is, uh, in terms of the crypto portion, is is the proof of stake, right? So, like, when I think of proof of stake, I think of, like, a ribeye. Um, but that's not what it is. It's actually a proof of stake, A-K-E, not E-A-K. So when I think of proof of stake, it's it's not necessarily miners going in and solving some cryptographic mathematical equation to put new data in. What they have is they call them validators, right? And so these validators are there and they can they can stake they in order to become a validator, right? So like they validate transactions. Uh, in order to do that, they need to stake AKE, not EAK. They need to stake their own crypto. Right. And so you have a certain amount of, you know, a certain amount of money that you need to put up. So I think it's 32 Ether, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need to put up 32 Ether to even be considered one of the validators. Right. And how they pick validators is kind of random. Right. So obviously 
one of the components that you need to have is you need to have 32 ether staked. And then the other component is it's kind of like a random assortment of other things. It's kind of like a random uh, algorithm that runs and it kind of picks you. If you get chosen to be a validator, you then uh, are able to validate the transactions. So you're not actually mining them per se. You're kind of validating them. Uh, you're saying, okay, these transactions are good. Uh, I stand by this block. And then you have, what are they called? Testers? Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. So then you have a group of people. So these are the other validators that didn't get chosen to specifically validate, right? And so they're called, it's called like the attestation process. So the attesters are the ones that go, this validator put this block in front of us and we all agree that it's good. So we're going to say, we're going to add this block to the chain. It's kind of a different way of doing it. And it, and one of the massive uh, upsides to it is it's actually more of a economic incentive to not do anything shady because 32 ethers a lot and it it just incentivizes to some degree um you know not being shady because if you if you do something shady to the block right you'll lose the 32 ether so it's it it's a it's a way to validate blocks to add the data to the blockchain um without um, essentially having to run these giant data mine farms. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like one dude gets randomly chosen and then a group of people from a consensus standpoint go, all right, we're cool with that block. Um, so it's safe. Uh, some people even argue it's significantly more safe and it requires way less uh, uh, energy, energy energy to do it. Computing power. And, and so with within that world, right, and so the the reward is now not Bitcoin, it's Ether, which is the cryptocurrency of the public blockchain of Ethereum, both 1.0 and 2.0. And just a real quick point of distinction, <clears throat> Ethereum 1.0, which is the most active Ethereum network at recording, is still proof of work. So it's still doing the mining uh, validation uh type transaction validation uh whereas ethereum 2.0 because ethereum 1.0 is limited in how many transactions per second that it can validate because it's proof of work whereas and which i think i don't remember the numbers but the goal is ethereum 2.0 should be able to do a hundred thousand trans transactions per second through a proof of, proof of stake uh um methodology yeah, with consensus mechanism yeah. that's what i was looking for consensus mechanism and so uh you know one can see the way i look at the the primary differences between ethereum and bitcoin blockchains is ethereum is much more is closer to an operating system than it is uh a just a uh, a sole value um currency value like bitcoin is Bitcoin is much more of a, an asset in the way that we store, like we used to store gold, whereas Ethereum is much more, has the potential to be more widespread use uh, like an operating system is. So there's much more decentralized apps uh, for both finance, just general transactions, um, because it is, it is a bit more open than, than the Bitcoin blockchain is. Yeah, like I, yeah, I would, I would Ethereum the the validation process also like there's they're going to start implementing what's called the beacon chain too and there's a thing called sharding with a d not a t 
I swear, I, I thought was it was a T. I was like, sharding? Uh, yeah. Because the way Vitalik says sharding, yeah. it sounds like sharting. It sounds like he pooped his pants. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. did they not think this through? <laughs> this before technology's they named been it? out for thousands of years already. <laughs> yeah. We know it. I've, got, I've definitely room. had 32 ether to stake if it's sharding. <laughs> That's on the public ledger. Uh, <laughs> I can validate that. <laughs> yeah, but like the idea is that they're going to be able to split their their decentralized network into kind of shards um, with a D. Uh, and then they're going to have like validators and uh, this attestation process in like running side by side. And the actual like programming of that uh i there was a lot of nuance to it and i i you know i didn't really dive too much into that just because for the sake of this podcast i don't think it was really relevant but it's a really interesting idea and the whole idea like what chase was saying is that it's going to allow them through this process to to validate transactions at a way faster rate so it's all about scalability right so they're they're going to be probably more safe just as decentralized and they're going to be able to scale these transactions. They're going to be able to like do these yeah. transactions like and, super and, fast. And yeah. scalability is not just the exchange of like right now would be the exchange of ether between users. Right. But the, the goal is scalability so that apps can function like we're used to them functioning. So yeah. Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, right? Like all those things. Love can, DoorDash. Love DoorDash. Uh, DashPass is it's worth it definitely worth it uh this is not an ad um but so like we we're used they function in a certain way we expect them to do certain things and so the goal as i understand it is that ethereum 2.0 allows for software developers to develop decentralized versions of those same type of apps to where there is no middleman they're just consumer in uh what's the opposite of consumer consumer and uh i don't know whatever if we're talking about like uh you know there's no bank in between that has like to, the person providing service yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's no, no middleman that's the service provider, uber service payment, provider. Right? Thank like, you, yeah. that's just like straight between you and uber right and so um like like the the defi the decent like uh, uh the no no what is it called um is it defi yeah no. decentralized finance well that's what this is or but DAP. no i'm trying to think of uh Fintech, right? So the idea of like when you use Zelle or you use these other app, uh, apps on your what phone. What does fintech mean? Finance financial tech? technology, okay. I think, is what right. it is. And right. so it's this idea of like, like peer to peer, like really quick transactions, right? So like if we're talking fintech, you're gonna have to scale up your ability to uh, do your transactions if you want to pay things in Ether, if you want to do this, this, these, or like we'll get to smart contracts too. Like if you want to operate this at a at a higher scale for different functions you're, you're gonna have to val- you're gonna have to validate the data faster yeah you're gonna have to get the blocks you know of, of data in it at a significantly higher rate so that you know people aren't like um i'm still waiting for yeah. you yeah. know you know yeah. so i, I my I, pizza that. is now cold because uh all the validators went to sleep <laughs> yeah so it's it's a it's a really cool idea and they're kind of beta testing, like we are with this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, but so I think they're 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 through like phase one, and I think they're going to phase two. But I, I think with my 
2022 yeah. or something like that. Well, they pretty much, or maybe 2023. I don't know. Well, and I think, yes, I think you're right. 2022. And just for a frame of reference, I think there's already a hundred thousand people that have staked ether to be validators as of a couple of weeks ago. There's a, there's a, like a, a line. And that's still following the 32 ether. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Quantity. And so like, so qu- like, I mean, just to give you guys an understanding, 32 ether, I know we say is expensive, but that's, 52,000 US dollars. So that's a one Bitcoin. Yeah, one Bitcoin, but still $52,000 is a significant chunk of money to have that many validators right. on that system. So 100,000 if they have at least it's assuming they just they have 32, pools, right? 100,000 so like, times. Yeah, Coinbase is basically yeah, I think starting they, a pool. They allow where, like staking yeah. pools so like yeah. like me, Mullen and Chase could put together our our. Um, We're gonna need sponsors real fast if that's gonna happen. <laughs> we, we could put together our hey, ether and then. <laughs> hey Doordash. Doordash, urban dude? farmer, and elite FTS. <laughs> and Bushmills. <laughs> urban farmers currently in construction. We have no liquid cash to be giving to us. Neither does Elon. That's the most serious Mullen has ever been. Besides on the Elon Musk thing that he brought up. <laughs> Stupid Dogecoin. Um, okay, so is there well, any... Like Dogecoin. What are... <laughs> Got him! Sorry for all our headphone users for that one. <laughs> I'm about to microphone check you on that one. This uh, is now tough. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, okay, so... Um, Blockchain. We've talked about it from a public blockchain perspective, right? Um, and we've talked about it strictly in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin trading and exchanging Bitcoin for, you know, whatever else, right? Service, a product, drugs, uh, fiat currency at this point, right? It could be, or other crypto. Eth- or Ethereum drugs. is, <laughs> yes, thank you. Republican, the Republican center from Illinois. <laughs> Or Janet Yellen, because I don't think she likes Bitcoin either. She was yelling about it. <laughs> she doesn't seem like a yeller. She seems like... Do you know the mom well, in Five O Goes West? Past tense. She was yelling. <laughs> no, did, have, do you remember Five O Goes West? Yeah, I love that movie. Yes. But but the, I, I don't remember like the actual... I think about it as a cat. She reminds me of the mom from Five O Goes West. I don't remember West. that. Oh, I, well, I'm going to pull it up because it's one of seven movies I've seen. Five yeah, Five Goes West, Hangover. <laughs> what are the What are the other five I'm missing right now? Interestingly, her name is Mama Moskowitz. <laughs> Didn't know that. Well, <laughs> did she yell a lot in the show, in the movie? Well, I can't find a really good picture, but that's who I picture Janet yelling as a as a mom mouse. Uh, anyway, she doesn't like cryptocurrency, but we talk about from a Mama public. Moskowitz. <laughs> yes, aka Janet Yellen. Uh, she didn't like cryptocurrency, so that's not great. Um, but we talked about it from a public sense. Do we want to jump into private now? Now that I butchered the timeline from I got, before, I got one good. Hold up, I typed it in in all caps, making it seem like I was angry. So Google gave me an answer. <laughs> yeah, it's her. <laughs> it's her. That's Danny Yellen. That's Jamie and we're not the Joe Rogan podcast, so you can't see any of this. No, just take our word for it. Type in Mama Moskowitz uh, into Google in caps, apparently. Yeah, apparently I was very angry. <laughs> um, yeah, so just, so we talked, 
pretty much what we did is we tried to frame kind of like the most tried to kind of explain blockchain in the most used popular way, right? So blockchain through currency, like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum are both cryptocurrencies. And we were saying like, these are both public versions of blockchain, but blockchain doesn't have to be public. It, remember when we talked about like, uh, the Michael and, um, what's his name? Oscar. Oscar. I can't remember. Um, Michael and Oscar, when they were talking like the two year old, like really all like, Really, all blockchain is is data storage. It's a way to store data, and so you can do that in a public manner where there's these there's this completely decentralized, but you can also do it um, in a private private way. So private, or they call it permissioned or enterprise, right? So this is we this is where corporations can kind of leverage blockchain to some degree, right? So ways you can use like private blockchain is um, you know. Uh, supply chain uh, uh chase is going to talk a little bit later about even like real estate contracts different things like there's going to be a bunch of different ways where you can um leverage private blockchain to have really really cool data storage um that kind of removes a lot of the overhead of paperwork and third parties and fourth parties and all of these other crazy things that go along with buying houses, cars, supply chains, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, even as micro as like eliminating silos within an organization. So like if department A completes this task within the blockchain, then that means department B is notified, gets knows that the next steps are coming and then department A is rewarded with whatever the reward is like it doesn't have to involve cryptocurrency i think is sort of the yeah and that's i think that was a thing like when i started when we all started reading about blockchain we were like this is all crypto it's all de- it's all finance related. yeah it's all decentralized it's all crypto and that's all it uses and then we started reading up and we're like wow this is like people are saying stuff like it could be as revolutionary as the internet i don't know if that's true but like after reading up on this in a lot of ways like there's some really cool usages that could really revolutionize how we do things. And I, I don't want to overhype it, but it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, the difference between private and public, though, is that public, when we talked about decentralized, we talked about a lot of anonymity, like you don't know who the other person is, right? They, so there's a lot of – private's different. It's you, – you have to have there, – there is – it removes the veil of anonymity. So you have users that are able to um, – that are maybe their specific job is to like specific nodes on the private blockchain would be the ones that were like validating the transactions or maybe if it's not transactions, it's, it's actual data. So in supply chains, we're talking about like dropped off the bananas to Del Monte, um, <laughs> dropped off the cauliflower pizza to urban farmer. I think it's, it's just technically cauliflower that gets dropped off, not actual cauliflower pizza. Maybe they have the crust. Do they do they ever get delivered crust straight up? We will. Actually, yes. Thank you. Thank it's you. all depending on the contract. No, but you don't get crust sent Smart to contract? Yeah. Do you? I depends. thought you made the crust. Well, but in terms of the contract, if we're looking at business that we believe is going to be profitable, 
and they want um, a crust that is cold press. We can't do cold press, so we, we would contract saw. out cold press. You got press. microphone checking. Uh, we, we just saw J-Ray transform into John R. Mullen. No, he's still J-Ray. <laughs> maybe J-Raymond. Well, so, okay, maybe, but maybe the, the, next seg- the next segment, we're going to talk a bit more about those other uses, and, and we're going to talk about yeah. uh, smart contracts in but, a bit more detail. Yeah, so, but in terms of the private, though, it's just one last thing is... They want to know who you are. If you're validating things on the private blockchain, like a in a decentralized way, like or mining, like would be in like the crypto decentralized way, like they know who you are. So if there's any like they want to know who you are. If there's any funny business, like or yeah, anything that you're yeah, doing that's yeah, shady, yeah. like to their centralized data storage blockchain network, they want to know who you are. Um, and they also only want to give permissions. It's called permissions or private, whatever. They only want to give permissions for those folks to validate certain data to certain people, but they might only give validation uh, security to certain people, but then it's still kind of an open network where everybody in the organization can still view the data, right? So like if if we're talking supply chains, maybe only a certain amount of people can validate that this has been delivered here, but everyone along the supply chain process can see, okay, it came from, you know, California to, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, so you can see the whole process. Maybe you can't validate the actual data in the blockchain, but you can see what has happened within the blockchain. So, you know, it can be closed. It can be open. There's a lot of different things that you can do with this, but it's really, really interesting. I don't want to go too far into it, but how that can be leveraged, uh, uh, in the future. So Ethereum, right? So we ended the last section talking about Ethereum 2.0 in particular and proof of stake. And, um, AKE, not EAK. Yeah, yeah. Proof of non New York strip. Uh, so <laughs> USDA choice. Yeah. Uh, but Ethereum is not just uh, dealing with Ether and other cryptos. It is also, uh, it's based solely on smart contracts. So it can be used in much more applications than just the Bitcoin blockchain can be. And so we're going to give Mike a little bit of time to talk about what smart contracts are what that means in a, uh, in a blockchain sense. And then we're going to talk about what are the other future uses that this can, that either is happening right now and or will be used in, or can be used in the future and what that means, um, what that could mean for, for us as a society. Take it away, Neurotic Mike. Microphone checker here, one, two, one, two. <laughs> I hate you, Mullen. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, kind of what Chase was talking about is that Ethereum is kind of a, is bigger than just crypto. Uh, obviously, we, try to, we, we wanted to explain or use crypto as kind of our, uh, um, you know, one of the iterations of blockchain because it's the most, you know, the way to explain it and understand it and how it's used and how data is stored specifically with crypto. But like we said, with private chains, public chains, it's just a form of data storage that is um, – really, really um, robust and has a lot of different uses that you can do to it. And one of the things that Ethereum, uh, I think they were the ones to really, they were the, they were the forerunners of this. They kind of created the idea of a smart contract within this space, within the blockchain space. Um, and it's pretty much like, uh, it's business automation. So it's it's really not smart. And, it's, and from a contract standpoint, it's really not legally binding. So it might be a little bit of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is for sure, it, it, it's really cool because it's, it's pretty much if-then programming. So if you think about like 
<laughs> it's it's you program it to do a certain thing. So one of the analogies, one of the one of the examples is like supply chains, right? You can use this smart contract for things like supply chain. So let's say a shipping t- container comes in or a truck comes into a specific area. Uh, there's this if then programming. So it could be like a receipt of sale. It could be um, you, you receive a certain amount of money or crypto or whatever. So to kind of put it into perspective, it's like if said the shipping container delivers, you know, whatever. Pack, you Avocados. Know, <laughs> Avocados. It's basically or, protecting against the fact that there can be no more shipping containers uh, like there were in season two of The Wire. Okay. Frank Sabaka. Frank Sabatka. That's in house. That's Chase's nickname. <laughs> he hasn't drowned yet, though, so that's good. No, and he also doesn't run a shipping yard. And I know no Greeks. <laughs> but you've had a euro, right? Didn't like him. Really? Yeah, I think it's the sauce. The lamb meat is fine, but the what is it called? What's the sauce called? Cucumber sauce. Yeah, no, but it's, it's uh, uh, tzatziki. Tzatziki. No, tzatziki. I think it's just tzatziki, right? Tzatziki. But it's T Z A. You know what I mean? That's how it starts. So I don't <laughs> Thanks know. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. I didn't know the spelling. Easy. Either way, it's not the meat or the lovely pita bread. The pita bread is fantastic. Yeah, it is. I think that gives me heartburn, though. Just pita bread. So I don't think the gyro meat or the sauce gives but me. I think just, it's the bread. Wouldn't just bread give you heartburn then? No. Because it's like that the same ingredients. I don't know, man. It just, it like, it feels like. Like when I eat, I love them. I love them. Let me, let me just make sure everyone I'm, knows. I'm this. just like I'm all about listening to your heart, but I don't think it's the. Yeah, I don't think it's the bread. So what? It, what is it? It's, it's not the probably the lamb meat or the right tzatziki sauce. Just sits right here where it requires two tums, and I'm I'm good to go. Maybe maybe it's more like celiac disease where you're just you have a problem. Oh with my gluten. goodness! Well, that's my, you know, I work in the right place if I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hashtag urban farmer. Holler. Uh, so smart contracts. Season two of the wire is also amazing. Yeah, if you want to see why blockchain in supplies, uh, why blockchain is important for supply chain uh, areas, watch season two of the wire. Is what Mullen was trying to say. Yeah, Frank Sabak is great in it. Um, so is the Greek. The Greek is cool. Anyway, so so in, in terms of like the supply chain like analogy, essentially what it is is you have a shipping t- container comes in. Which is kind of the if, right? If, you know, ship delivers said package or whatever, said container, then we release the receipt of sale, right? So that data is then um, put into the block. Uh, and usually this is done through private blockchains, right? So there's specific validators that can say, I can I can acknowledge that this ship came in. I am now putting this data, the timestamp, et cetera, et cetera, into this block. And now the ship is free to kind of move on because it got its receipt of sale. Um, so there's the if then. It also could be if you deliver this this uh, you know truckload of from Mullen because he works at Urban Farmer um, cauliflower pizza crusts. Um, if you do that, then we will then then the the smart contract will then release. Uh, it could be crypto. It could be money. It could, they could they could use it in a bunch of different ways. Right. Then so it's the if then programming. Then you will then receive this reward of some sort, or which could be ether. It could be ether. It could right. be, it could be money. It could be documentation of proof of of, of delivery. It could right. be a, a receipt. It could be a number of different things. So it's it's essentially like just at the base level. It's just saying uh, it removes all these middlemen. It's just like 
there's a network. There's validators on the network. Usually, like in supply chain, it would be the guy that's actually receiving or, um, you know, whatever. Uh, and then they can validate that this that this has had been done. The data is added to the blockchain. Um, and then this blockchain is open to the whole maybe supply chain network for that company, for that enterprise, whatever. Uh, and that's kind of – I use the supply chain example because that's the one that's most interesting to me even though there's a ton more. But we are going to move into specifically uh, supply chain and how blockchain can be leveraged for that. The data storage for blockchain can be leveraged for that within specific private blockchains. Uh, and I think Mullen's going to – Take take off on that for us. Yeah, um, so, like a Learjet. Uh, <laughs> I stumped him. Didn't F fifteen over there. I just um, I'm disappointed that I have to do this with you. Um, anyways, anyways, yeah. So when we're looking at the future of blockchain, um, I volunteered myself for the supply chain portion because this uh, is kind of in my. It's near and dear to near and dear to your heart. It's near and dear to my heart. Sort of Uh, like gluten and no, gluten's not near to his heart. No, I have celiac disease. Remember, we diagnosed me like ten minutes ago. (laughs) That's right. My bad. But anyways, um, while looking at blockchain, like I said, in the future of blockchain, um, one of the big breakthroughs that we've seen is in supply chain and the movement of all supply chain. Particularly, uh, I want to look at specifically one company uh, who is a big importer and exporter into different countries, into the U.S., into China, and that's Maersk. Uh, They introduced uh, blockchain technology into their shipping systems in around 2017, I believe. Um, And just why I use them as the example is because, as Mike mentioned earlier, uh, all, all... that information uh, needs to be traced from port to port, uh, customs agencies. Maersk is utilizing this information with the Department of Homeland Security to process that information faster to get those things out of the ports, as Mike mentioned earlier, which becomes a huge um, thing, especially in the instance of in the last couple weeks, you know, where Texas had that crazy winter storm. Um, there's ports there that allow ships in, and I mean, I mean, there are things that are delayed weeks and weeks as ships wait to get into those ports. So as we see more shipping companies like Maersk uh, take on that um, responsibility of adding blockchain into the system to um, accelerate all this information um, sharing between the companies, it's only going to make everything better. Like, it's going to make everything... Yeah, it's going to make everything awesome. Another huge um, instance where that's going to be a thing is in like jewelry and anything like that where ethically sourced um, product is going to that that's becoming a very big source of what everyone wants. We want to know where these things come from. That way we're not hurting people to make sure that Chase gets his two carat diamond that he wants on his finger. But those are like the sections. On his banky (laughs) ring. But, um, I mean, really, those are the two, like, major foundational um, portions of it. And the big companies we see there are, like I said, I mentioned Maris because I wanted to mention the fact that they are actually partnering with Homeland Security to make sure that the things coming into these ports, at least on the U.S. side, um, 
are just it, it's just becoming more efficient. We can make sure we know what's coming in. They have traceability from where it came from, all 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 like in a moment's notice with the blockchain. Yeah. So one of the things I was looking at with that too is um uh, I think I want to say it was the beers, not to be confused. I know a lot of you people from Illinois that are listening, like the seven that are, not to be confused with the bears. Um, <laughs> anyway, the beers is like literally in control of like, I want to say it's like 40%, something stupid, some ridiculous percentage of just the diamond trade. Right. Uh, and one of the things that they're utilizing blockchain for is like, you know, the ethically sourced. Yeah, the ethically sourced. Like, hey, yeah. we don't we don't want like what was that movie again? Was Leo? What was it called? Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond. Lots we, of shards there. We don't we don't want Blood Diamond, so we're gonna utilize That's his worst his worst voice in any movie. Like, I still liked his acting, but yeah, it wasn't his great. acting is great, but that is the most terrible voice he's ever had in any movie. What was it? I forget. He was trying to be a South African. He was trying to be South African, oh, and it was yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. Shout out to Shally. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Shally. He'll never listen Hashtag to this. Namibia. No, he'll just be so disappointed in us. He'll, he'll never listen. Yeah, he'll just be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway. So, you know, that, that was the part when you brought up that. I, I remember reading an article on De Beers. De Beers. Uh, and literally, they're 40% of the diamond trade. So that is a really cool thing that they're... They're utilizing this technology to, to not be engaged at all with that like horrific right. uh, those horrific practices, the blood diamonds where they're just pretty much a slave trade to get diamonds out and, and people are and and the nice thing about it is instead rate. of us being able to just hope that that company is telling us the truth about having that uh, you know sign on the front of their coffee bag or anything like that where it says ethically sourced like these things are actually traceable. Yeah, you can go within, into the ledger. Yeah, these are things that anybody can source and find in five minutes. Whereas, like, as again, like I have some history in supply chain. There, it it would take it takes during an audit. They only require you to have four hours to be able to trace back everything from a product that has an issue to everywhere that it went outbound mm. with blockchain. Like that, four hours is cut down to minutes you know what i mean like you know exactly where that product that lot came from to where that went to specific down to specific stores you know the thing i was reading about with that was the was like if it has like listeria or any of those food supply it's gonna be huge yeah exactly so like we'll know okay it came from here 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 and here and you know how to like pinpoint in and and kind of like to some degree uh find a way to kind of like negate some of like, cause right. yeah, at this point we, we have a hard supply, time yeah. in food supply. Your audit is only as good as your next best source. Right. So if I'm sourcing from a company that I purchased the thing that had Listeria or something like that, most, most places require you to back it to where you purchase it from. And if I'm purchasing it from a broker that purchases from multiple places, I have to go to them, and then they have to go to them. Ah, okay. You get what I mean? So yeah, it takes I didn't, I didn't it takes part, yeah. time. It takes time to go through that entire thing, and that's where like seeing blockchain and how that how that runs that through. Like they used one in one of the articles I read with Walmart's where they're just doing it on mangoes. You know, like you can see a mango from the start in Guatemala to uh, the moment it drops on the the table at Walmart. You know what so I mean? So you literally like, can track it like that. Like as that. opposed to going yeah. to this dude to see where he got it, to right. see where they got it. To see Okay. And that's oh. what I mean. Like, whereas 
in terms of the timeline, in terms of an internal audit, like I said, it gives us four hour, two to four hours in any sort of um, audit perspective that in the event of something going wrong, this is how much time I have to do a recall. But like I said, that's only in the fact that I need to prove that I've traced it to this person. And then that person needs to make sure that they're proving that they traced it to this person. None of that. Now that's now it, all gone. Yeah, like that's, that's like those, those like in terms of product recalls, it's going to happen. You're always going to have food safety risk, food defense programs. And I'm only using that. Cause like I said, this is my background, but like, these are things that it's just exciting because I know that instead of me having to spend a four-hour day backtracking this, it's going to be 15 minutes. Well, and, I hope and I don't so, get listeria. So there's a, pizza, don't worry about it. I'll track it back in 15 minutes when it happens. Well, and just another application of that same idea is uh, in pharmaceuticals. So you can uh, better track counterfeits or tampering. Oh, yeah. With, so think about the Tylenol scare. What was that, like in the late 90s? Where there, someone jacked with a bunch of Tylenol. And uh, poisoned, I think it was with poison. They poisoned some tablets. And it took them forever to figure out where all this Tylenol went to. I think it was Tylenol. It doesn't matter. Um, aspirin. Uh, acetaminophen. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> so like they'll be able to track, Man, as you said. <laughs> Thank you. Just pulled that. Um, no idea how to spell it, though. Um, Would you like me to? No. Uh, so Shoot. The, <laughs> The thing that I find the most interesting for the future of blockchain, because I think outside of supply chain and I think even outside of supply chain and like the finance world, uh, the the future of blockchain. Fintech? Fintech. Thank you. Good God. Uh, <laughs> the, the future uses of blockchain are still relatively undiscovered or finalized or formalized. And so there are several different uh, – uh, business sectors or sectors that we interact with in our daily lives, whether it be government services, um, travel, healthcare, there are, there are so many opportunities for blockchain to, uh, make some of those more efficient real estate, uh, real estate. Thank you. More efficient, more transparent, I prefer fake estate. Uh, it, we're all amazed that Mike has, has people in his life that care about him. Um, and so, like, so there's this, uh, there's several places in the world that are trialing out these ideas of smart cities, which are going to be built upon blockchain technology. So Dubai, if I recall correctly, is looking at 2021 to be a smart city. And then there's uh, some billionaire, I forget the dude's name, uh, is, trying, is trying to create a, uh, a smart city in Nevada. And they, the, the governor of Nevada gave approval for all these things. To, to happen to where they function, I assume, entirely on blockchain technology. So where your taxes go, uh, how you interact with governmental services, um, how you deal in real estate. So there's no more realtors. You are just, this land is owned by, or this house is owned by this person. I am now uh, purchasing it and we're doing it through the blockchain. And so there's no middleman. So none of the extra fees go to a middle person. They only go to the people involved in the transaction. So that's where like the smart contracts and the if-then program right, comes right. in. Like, so if, these, if you pay if this me crisis, this, then I'll give you the right. title. This right, works. Whatever, My yeah, sister yeah. is screwed. <laughs> she just got into real estate. <laughs> we got some time. Um, and, and so like I even think like on how governmental services work. So if a stoplight breaks 
it, the internet of things will trigger a sensor saying this light is out and it'll disperse a contract to, you know, the five places that, uh, that local government or the municipality is contracted with. And the first one to pick it up and the first one to fix it gets the, the fee. And there is no endless phone calls or bureaucracy of, or politics getting in the way of who gets what contracts. And now our lights are getting fixed quicker. Right. And so, you know, I wonder if we see a pothole, right. And we trigger something within, uh, a blockchain app or a decentralized app. And then all of a sudden that gets dispersed. And then we figure out from there how it gets fixed. Right. And so like, there's so many uh, applications for this to quicken how we experience our lives and get rid of a lot of the red tape that makes things really difficult, like getting a birth certificate, uh, getting healthcare. So like when you go to the doctor, uh, how many times, uh, you know, my dad goes, has gone to the emergency room several times in his life. Um, and so, you know, he gets asked the same eight questions a hundred times before he sees the doctor, right? And so if your medical records are on a secure blockchain that they have access to, these things are right there for you. And they're proven, they're validated because the blockchain, because of how the blockchain technology works. And so the future is relatively endless for this. And I think, Mike, you said it earlier in this episode, like it could be as big as what the internet is now, like in terms of a, a breakthrough of innovation, right? It can, t- I think maybe the right way, not the right way, but maybe a more, a different way of saying it is it can take internet to the next level. Cause we'll need the internet to engage with the blockchain. Right. Right. But it can take the internet from web two to web three or whatever. Yeah, well, even, even things in terms of the internet, internet, internet wouldn't have been able to been utilized right. 50 years before the internet, you know, like honestly, technology builds upon itself. Right. So like, would we be able to even use blockchain without the internet, right? You know, no. no. What would yeah, the network simple. be on? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, we're, and so, I think it's really cool in that regard. And like, the Internet of Things. Can you break uh, that down in like two sentences? What that means? The Internet of Things. Like, who is it? IBM. It's pretty much like how they're trying to create like these smart cities where like there's sensors for everything, and those sensors relay back certain things. And then you can solve problems and understand when there's problems faster. There's a bunch of different things that play into it. I don't. I, I read a little bit on it. I don't want to, but that's essentially the gist. So like, to use that within a supply chain and how blockchain and smart contracts would play into that mm-hmm. is, let's say a ship a tanker came in and they dropped off a, you know, whatever a shipment. You could tell if let's say it's a refrigerated container, right? You can use the Internet of Things in terms of the sensors to as a part of your if-then programming, right? So the if would be like if this container wasn't opened and if this container uh, kept a temperature of such and such, right, then we can can say this is successfully dropped off here, right? So that's how you'd use those sensors in the Internet of Things uh, with the smart contracts and with the blockchain – to essentially remove all middlemen. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's not a dude that has to go in there and see if it has been opened and then see if, you know, like somehow verify that the container's been right. at a certain well, degrees. Like the, now you have this automated process that does it for you. So in terms of your cities, you'd have these sensors. So again, there's, there needs to be some more 
uh, sensor breakthrough, automation breakthrough, all those things need to continue to grow side by side. And political willingness. I yes. Think. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, like, our, you know, how, how much are we going to trust this? And, and so, and so crypto is cool because it's kind of like brought the blockchain to the fore, mm-hmm. but like crypto is, in my opinion, just to the like, iceberg. Yeah. It's kind of like, there's so much more we can do. And, and <clears throat> like they're talking about, and so like with every novel technology, you have people that go like, whoa, it's not completely safe. And then you have that, that kind of like, this is stupid. And then you have people like, this is the greatest thing ever. And right. I don't want to be either one of those people. I think it has a lot of potential. Um, but like a lot of people like critique it because it has like some, you know, hacking vulnerabilities or whatever. It's like compared to what? Yeah, do you like remember that's, the, that's do you the remember thing called when, novel technologies. Yeah. It's like compared to what? Compared to banks and Google and all of these centralized data storage systems that always get hacked and we all lose our information. Like compared to what? If we're comparing it to things we actually have, it's ten times safer and well, it's and, ten times better. And like right, I said, and, on the whole, I think I mentioned this earlier. On the whole, it's actually so much safer on the individual. That's where this requires you to be. Yeah more self-assured on how you do things to make sure that you do protect yourself. Well, and on the public chain in particular, right? Yeah. Your ID, to get access to that ID requires a, a really high level of password protection where it's like a random set of 24 words that you have to put in a correct order, right? And so... Um, to get into that ID account. So even if a public chain is hacked, your direct identity is not typically af- uh, affected by that hack. Whereas not, if Tar- I remember we, we shopped at Target when they got hacked around Christmas time a few years ago. Target. Target. Um, when, when it got hacked a few years ago, right? They couldn't tell who was or was not protected or unprotected. Whereas within the blockchain, even if everyone's IDs on the actual blockchain were given to this hacker or group of hackers, they would then have an extra extra layer of work to actually access what's under those IDs by doing those generated. Yeah. Like like even if they were able to uh, mess with the data on the actual chain, they, uh, at least in the public chains, they would have no, there's no way they'd find out who you are personally. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, your, your personal information wouldn't be associated even if they were able to, if it's like a crypto, maybe uh, double spend or, you know, whatever. And not, not to go too far into that pool, but yeah, like... like They're more manipulating the currency itself rather than the user. And that's less so for the private chains because those are more centralized. But for the public, like, again, like, and I want to make those distinctions, but, yeah. you know... <laughs> my, my, pipe, cool. my pipe dream in all of this is that, because like, this is a little bit of a soapbox, I won't get into it uh, too much, but like... You know, I think what as we have more information about how our government, particularly the the U.S., how it functions and how much we dislike uh, how it functions, if the blockchain were used in as as a way to be transparent about how our government is spending money, um, how our government uses taxes and collects taxes, the level of transparency within both federal, state, and even local city governments, like I think. A more informed voter, right? A more informed electorate leads to better elections, right? And better uh, in theory, right? And so I, that's the thing I'm most hopeful for. I'm not hopeful in a way that it's going to happen because <laughs> the politicians would have to be willing to be oh, yeah. transparent. 
but the the future is endless it's not just a value like bitcoin is this blockchain is so much more than uh it creates a currency it it creates a decentralized way of doing almost everything that we interact with on a daily basis so any closing thoughts gents microphone checker doesn't have any hacker mullen over here it's got nothing hacker j ray hacker j ray hacker mullen Alrighty. Hacker well. John. Jay. Hacker. Nobody Hacker loves Raymond. Jay Raymond. No, Hacker Raymond is not good. That's not good. Well, I didn't expect it to be. I'm just, I continue. It's not good. It's not good, yeah. This is going to move Hacker on. Hacker Chase. No, I don't like it either. I just like Chase. 51% Chase. <laughs> Simple bitch. <laughs> so that's the end of this episode. Feedback is always appreciated. Uh, if you have any idea how to work GarageBand or any audio editing thing and you have tips for us, that would be wonderful because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Um, so look for this on where you get your podcast. We'll get it on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and um, wherever the, the host site is. Podbean. Podbean. But I think we're going to switch to Anchor. Okay. I mean, I'd like is... to anchor the podcast. Sorry, anchor. Podbean. <laughs> we can do both. We can do both. We can do both. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody.